your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to get serious about one of the greatest issues of our time. The issue of our time, what the United States is going to do to make sure that Vladimir Putin and uh, his uh, Russian gangster regime don't succeed in destroying the independence of Ukraine. Uh, that is a real matter with uh, Vladimir Zelensky here in the United States. He's meeting with the president uh, moments from now. He uh, met with the leaders of the Senate. But Speaker McCarthy, in the worst decision so far of his speakerhood, uh, made a decision not to give the president of Ukraine the ability to come meet with members of the House and to address the members of the House. And it's a majority of the House that wanted to hear him. What does that do? What is the real importance? What does it mean if Ukraine actually loses this war? Zelensky said earlier today he's touring Washington. He was honored in the Senate, honored by Mitch McConnell. And he is supported by the great majority of Americans and the great majority of Republican Americans. What is allowing this controversy about the presence of uh, the, the leader of the Ukrainian resistance, which is really what it is, it's resistance to a monstrous evil, what uh, it, it really benefits Republicans to be the recalcitrant party in this regard. The uh, story in today's uh, New York Times by Karun uh, Demersian, uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy facing a right-wing rebellion in his ranks and mounting GOP resistance to aiding Ukraine has declined to convene a forum for President Volodymyr Zelensky to address members of the House on Thursday during a visit to Capitol Hill. Now, last time I was here, he spoke to a joint session of Congress. It was a triumph. It was inspiring, actually. While Mr. McCarthy was expected to meet with Mr. Zelensky privately, his decision not to host a meeting where the Ukrainian president could make a direct appeal to rank-and-file lawmakers underscores the deep Republican divisions over continued U.S. assistance for Kyiv's fight against the Russian invasion. The situation stands in contrast to the reception Mr. Zelensky is receiving in the Senate, where Senator Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York and the majority leader, has organized a closed-door session at the Capitol Hill for all 100 senators, Republicans, 49 of them, as well as Democrats. Uh, the um, House lawmakers who are interested in hearing directly from Mr. Zelensky uh, will have to leave Capitol Hill. Members of the Congressional Ukraine Caucus and others were expected to meet with him separately at the National Archives on Thursday. I, why are they treating him as if he isn't one of America's crucial allies? There's a, a, a very, very important piece which is uh, under the um, heading of Tom Friedman, a double Pulitzer Prize winner, a columnist, foreign policy specialist for the New York Times. I saw firsthand how much is at stake in Ukraine. 
He writes, what Putin is doing in Ukraine is not just reckless, not just a war of choice, not just an invasion in a class of its own for overreach, mendacity, immorality and incompetence all wrapped in a farrago of lies. What he is doing is evil. Can't we just say that? Can't we acknowledge it? That what we are fighting here is not a territorial dispute. It is dictatorial, authoritarian, a neo-communist evil. Evil. Friedman writes, he has trumped up any number of shifting justifications. One day it was removing a Nazi regime in power in Kiev. The next it was preventing NATO expansion. The next it was fending off a Western cultural invasion of Russia for what ultimately was a personal flight of fancy that now requires his superpower army turning to North Korea for help. It's like the biggest bank in town having to ask the local pawn shop for a loan. So much for Putin's bare-chested virility. What is so evil, beyond the death and the pain and the trauma and the destruction he has inflicted on so many Ukrainians, is that at a time when climate change, famine, health crises, and so much more are stressing planet Earth, the last thing humanity needed was to divert so much attention, collaborative energy, money, and lives to respond to Putin's war to make Ukraine a Russian colony again. And then he, he goes on and says, this is so obvious a case of right versus wrong, good versus evil, as you can find in international relations since World War II. Does someone disagree with that? That this is not a clear case of right versus wrong? and good versus evil. Yet the closer you come to the conflict, writes Friedman, and think about how to resolve it, the stark black and white moral balance sheet doesn't offer an easy roadmap to a solution. It is clear as day what defines a just outcome. It's a Ukraine that is whole and free with reparations paid by Russia. But it isn't at all clear how much such justice is attainable. And at what price or whether some dirty compromise will be the least worst option? And if so, what kind of compromise? Just how dirty? When and guaranteed by whom? In other words, the minute you step out of the justice framework of this war and into the realm of realpolitik diplomacy, the whole picture turns from black and white to different shades of gray because the bad guy is still powerful and still has friends and therefore has a say. Ukraine, too, has lots of friends committed to helping it fight as long as it wants to, and as long as it wants to becomes too long in Washington and other capitals of the West. It is very hard to stop a leader who has no sense of shame or conscience. On Tuesday, Putin told an economic conference in Russia that the 91 felony counts filed against Donald Trump in four different U.S. jurisdictions represents the persecution of one's political rival for political motives and show the rottenness of the American political system which cannot pretend to teach democracy to others. The hall erupted in applause for a leader renowned for using poison underwear, an exploding airplane, and Siberian labor camps to teach democracy to his rivals. Uh, human morality must win this war, Zelensky has said. 
everyone in the world who values freedom, who values human life, who believes that people must win. And our success, the specific success of Ukraine, depends not only on us, on Ukrainians, but also on the extent to which the entire vast moral space of the world wants to preserve itself. Uh, let us hope that that preservation takes place. Uh, I want to get back to this question of McCarthy and the cowardly decision to uh, to say yes to a handful of members of his House of Representatives Republican caucus who uh, didn't want to honor the president of Ukraine when he's here on this trip. Uh, Mr. Zelensky, whose tour of Washington follows appearances before world leaders at the world United Nations General Assembly in New York, is widely considered to be his country's most skilled and powerful advocate when it comes to securing international support for Ukraine's, Ukraine's fight against the larger and more heavily armed invading Russian forces. Doesn't the United States have a stake in that fight? Uh, meanwhile, what we're seeing is an explanation for why there's a new news report from NBC. Trust in government has hit a 70-year low. What does that have to do with? How do we cope with it? How do we answer it? We'll be right back on the MedVet Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. MichaelMedved.com. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, Kevin McCarthy has a difficult series of challenges. I understand. I feel sorry for the situation the guy is in. But one of those challenges should not be involved with uh, cutting off U.S. support for Ukraine. Uh, certainly not at, at a moment that is crucial for Ukraine to maintain initiative in in actually winning this war. And if you look at what Ukraine has achieved compared to what people expected the uh, days right after the uh, the Russian invasion and with the level of, of cruelty and, and waste and, and cost that has been inflicted upon the Russians, who are on the side of evil in this dispute. I mean, it's profound. And there is no question at all. I mean, if all of the coverage on this makes it very, very clear that the overwhelming majority of the 222, and that's exactly how many they have, there are 222 Republicans in the House, and uh, more than two-thirds of them support aid to Ukraine. For the Democrats in the House who are, what is it, uh, 216, uh, so slightly less than the Republicans, for the Democrats in the House, they, they all support aid to Ukraine, as they should. This is not an investment of American blood. It is an investment of American money in a cause where the whole world with very few exceptions, yeah, Iran and North Korea and China, 
the whole world supports the side of Ukrainian independence. Uh, look, I'm I'm just screened last night a film that we're going to be reviewing tomorrow, and it's a film uh, produced and starring Sean Penn. And I know Sean Penn, dummy actor, and yes, he's an Oscar winner, but he's an eccentric guy. He's been to Ukraine 17 times, and this is a film. He, he happened to be in Ukraine visiting uh, at the time of the invasion. So the film captures that experience, and then it has a lot of personal conversation between uh, Sean Penn and Zelensky. And the idea that Zelensky would be treated when he comes to Washington as if he's controversial is so outrageous and so depressing. And and this, by the way, at a moment when give the Biden administration a little bit of credit because uh, they receive somebody who is also considered by some to be controversial, Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, uh, front page uh, news today, for the first time since Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel returned to office last December, he and President Biden met face-to-face -face yesterday in a session that both soothed and aggravated tensions between the leaders and demonstrated Mr. Biden's wider commitment to Israeli security. Uh, by ending his informal moratorium on in-person contact with Mr. Netanyahu, Mr. Biden showed he was prepared to overlook personal frustrations with the Prime Minister's domestic policies in favor of furthering international projects of mutual U.S.-Israeli interest, blocking Iran from building a nuclear weapon, and above all, establishing formal relations for the first time ever between Israel and Saudi Arabia. That would be a good and a positive thing, and the fact that it, there was support for it expressed by both the Prime Minister of Israel and the President of the United States is one indication of moving in the right direction. So why would it be that uh, Kevin McCarthy would basically follow not the will of history, which is something Hegel talked about, and, and, and not the majority of what his own caucus in Congress wants and the overwhelming majority of both the Senate and the House want, which is continued support so that Ukraine will have at least a chance and a good chance of winning this war, which would have extraordinarily positive consequences for the United States, but not as much so as the negative consequences if, if Ukraine lost. And what does Ukraine losing mean? It means that Russia ends up gobbling up more than a fifth, more than 20% of Ukrainian territory in the Donbass and in Crimea and uh, elsewhere. Um, Mr. Zelensky's uh, latest visit comes at a far more fraught political environment. A third of House Republicans have voted to curtail Ukraine spending in recent months while a block of uh, 40 right-wing hardliners has threatened to boycott any spending bill that includes uh, a, quote, blank check for Ukraine. Now, that's 40 out of uh, 222. 
Can, can we I mean, put that in, in context? It, this is not a Republican position, and it shouldn't be. It certainly shouldn't be. The uh, stance of those 40 hardliners who want to cut off support for Ukraine, and some of them being actual apologists for Vladimir Putin, for all of his evils. The stance has put Mr. McCarthy out of step with other Republican leaders like Senator Mitch McConnell, the minority leader, as well as the great bulk of his own members in the House. They have argued that helping Ukrainian troops by budgeting for a steady flow of weapons is a moral imperative and that Mr. Zelensky could help persuade their more skeptical colleagues of that necessity. If only the speaker would give him the chance. Uh, Mr. Zelensky could come and explain to them what's at stake, said Representative Mike Simpson, Republican of Idaho who said it was a mistake not to give Mr. Zelensky a chance to try to change naysayers' minds. Because I don't think some people understand what's at stake here. Amen to that, Mike. Well said. A representative, Down Bacon, a Republican of Nebraska, also said Mr. Zelensky needed the chance to persuade skeptics to drop their opposition. His country is a victim. Russia is the invader, Congressman Bacon said. To me... I have total moral clarity that we should stand by Ukraine. So I just think if he speaks, if he can persuade a few people, it's worth it. Uh, this is uh, uh, amazing. And uh, when it, it gets to uh, this dramatic moment, uh, what does it say about the drop in trust in government? Uh, we will get to that, an NBC News poll. Uh, a new report actually from Pew Research highlights the dismal, cynical view of politics. Coming up. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's 1-800-955-1776. Thank you for the important lead-in for some incredibly bad news. But it's news that we can do something about. Uh, the Pew Research uh, Center has a new report on uh, how Americans view politics right now. Uh, by the way, I would love to take a call. Anybody out there who thinks that politics is really going really well right now, things are functioning the way they should that everything is working out. I mean, come on, we're about to have another government shutdown. What could be better than that, right? Uh, that's that's really uh, happy days are here again. Shutdown days are here again. Skies above, not clear again. In any event, uh, Americans have long been critical of politicians and skeptical of the federal government, but today Americans' views of politics and elected officials are unrelentingly negative 
with little hope of improvement on the horizon. Well, don't say that. I mean, we do have an election coming up. It's not already determined that Donald Trump or Joe Biden will win, right? There could be other alternatives. Here is the report uh, by NBC News on uh, this new survey of why Americans are so incredibly depressed about our political situation. Listen. The dysfunction in Congress is the tip of the spear of an unsettling political depression in America. A new report from Pew highlights the dismal and cynical view of politics that Americans hold about Congress, candidates, and government. Get this, only 5% of Americans, 5% say the political system works very or extremely well, when nearly three quarters say it doesn't work too well, if at all. And trust in the government has hit a 70-year low, with just 16% saying they trust the federal government to do the right thing all or most of the time. Keep those numbers in mind the next time there's a debate about saving our democracy, because right now voters don't seem to view our current system as very much worth saving. Uh, a growing share of the public dislikes both political parties. Uh, nearly 3 in 10, 28 percent, express unfavorable views of both parties. The highest dec- uh, share in three decades of polling. And a comparable share of adults, 25 percent, do not feel well represented by either party. And what does this speak to in terms of the likely turnout in this election? Candidate choices are underwhelming. As the presidential campaign heats up, 63% of Americans say they are dissatisfied with the candidates who have emerged so far. And that doesn't just mean Biden and Trump. That means everybody, the whole lot of them. Who's Marianne Williamson, for goodness sake? Setting aside the presidential campaign, there has been a downward trend in views of the quality of all political candidates. Just 26% rate the uh, quality of political candidates as very or somewhat good, down about 20 percentage points since 2018. And here this is, (laughs) I mean, it's, there's nothing to do but, uh, but laugh about it because it's so depressing. Um, What one word or phrase would you use to describe politics in the U.S. these days. Uh, The most common word is divisive. Second is corrupt. Third is bad. Then it says uh, messy, disgusting, chaos, terrible, sad, confusing, joke, broken, dysfunctional, self-centered. Those are the words that uh, came up. I mean, I mean uh, would anyone come up with the word inspiring? The answer is no, nobody, nothing. Uh, oh, uh, one of the words there, they, they actually had to put asterisks. That's the, the word that uh, rhymes with fit um, that we, we don't say on the uh, FCC airways. Confusing is also there. I like disgusting and chaos. Chaos is actually, what, fourth or fifth most common. But, uh, okay, why is this going on? 
and partially it's going on because we we have so many candidates on the the Republican side. There's a um, uh, another piece today. Uh, two candidates straddle eligibility ahead of the second GOP debate, and uh, there's also a a tremendous challenge to President Trump trying to taunt him into actually coming to the second debate, which is coming up what next Wednesday, and. Uh, in any event, um, uh, after eking their way onto the first Republican presidential debate last month, uh, Governor Doug Burgum of North Dakota and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, long-shot candidates, appear to be in jeopardy of failing to qualify for the party's second debate next week. Both have been registering support in the low single digits in national polls, and in the polls from early nominating states that the Republican National Committee uses to determine eligibility. The point here is that they are raising eligibility for this second debate, which is taking place at the Reagan Library next week. And this debate, in order to qualify, you would need to show 3%, which doesn't seem to me to be an improper requirement it seems to me to be part of the process of culling the herd, which is going to be necessary. Uh, Mr. Trump, who remains the overwhelming frontrunner for the party's nomination, despite a maelstrom of indictments against him, will instead be delivering a speech to striking union auto workers in Michigan. Some of Mr. Trump's harshest critics in the GOP have stepped up calls for the party's bottom tier candidates to leave the crowded race, consolidating support for a more viable alternative to the former president. Uh, candidates must now register at least a 3% support in a minimum of two national polls accepted uh, by the RNC. The threshold for the first debate was just 1%. Uh, would anyone miss the fact, look, I think, uh, both Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum are good guys. They both were very effective governors. They both deserve attention and respect. But given the fact that they haven't been able to make it so far in uh, this campaign, now, of course, Burgum, who is personally very wealthy, he's a billionaire. He got a billion dollars for selling his software company before he was elected governor of North Dakota. Um the uh, uh, RNC has also lifted its fundraising benchmarks for the second debate. Only candidates who have received financial support from 50,000 donors will make the debate stage, 10,000 more than they needed for the first debate. While Mr. Burgum's campaign said that they had already reached the fundraising threshold, it was not immediately clear whether Mr. Hutchinson had. Mr. Burgum offered $20 gift cards to anyone who gave at least $1 to his campaign. A pretty good return. While Politico reported that Mr. Hutchinson had paid college students for every person they could persuade to contribute to his campaign. Uh, candidates will be required to sign a loyalty pledge, etc. Mr. Burgum, a former software executive is also harnessing his personal wealth to introduce himself to Republicans through television and at considerable expense. Since the first debate, a super PAC aligned with Governor Burgum 
has booked about $8 million in national broadcast, live sports, and radio advertising, including $2 million in fusion last week, according to Mr. Burgum's campaign, as TV ads appeared during Monday Night Football on ESPN. Uh, we will be right back with more political news of some substance coming up on the Medved Show. Your outlet for outrage. It is outrageous what you are saying. The Michael Medved Show. This is outrageous. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, we are approaching <laughs> not only a, a day, which is the 27th of uh, uh, September, for the next presidential debate, but four days after that, uh, we have a government shutdown, which uh, uh, appears to be almost unavoidable right now, given given the fact that Republicans cannot get our act together. Uh, the report from uh, National Journal, uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy again caved to his right flank, pushed his moderates to follow him, and will pursue a continuing resolution that will be dead on arrival in the Senate. What they're talking about is they're talking about a continuing rev resolution that would give us one more month. Give us until October 31st before the next government shutdown, uh, which um, basically would be very hard to pass in the House. But they're talking about doing that and then sending it over to the Senate where there's no chance at all that it will be passed in the Senate because the Senate is controlled by Democrats. Schumer has even said he won't even bring it to a vote. And he controls the Senate. Why does he control the Senate? Because there was a certain... Uh, incumbent president who uh, helped the two Republican senators from Georgia both lose. You remember that? They had their vote in December, and uh, there was a winnable race for Senator Perdue and Senator Kelly Leffler. They're both good, solid, conservative people, and they both lost. And uh, that gave Chuck Schumer and the Democrats control the Senate by uh, one extra vote. They already had control of the Senate because of Kamala Harris as vice president. In any event, <clears throat> McCarthy is going to start moving fiscal year 2024 spending bills, beginning with Pentagon funding at $1.52 trillion total. It's a level that the Senate and White House won't accept. Why not? Because... They are in favor of more modest defense spending. It also makes some of its own moderates very queasy. It's no guarantee McCarthy can even pass this stopgap funding bill, which could push him to work with Democrats, but that could cost him his job. If a, a Freedom Caucus member triggers a motion to vacate McCarthy, <laughs> vacate his Great. I mean, it said, oh, nobody home. It's, it's vacant. Uh, vacating McCarthy, it takes under the agreement that they reached for McCarthy to become speaker, it takes one individual. It can be that putz Matt Gates, just acting on his own. You ever notice that the word putz and the name Gates have 
Well, they, they you just have the same uh, TZ at the end. In any event, um, if the Freedom Caucus member triggers a motion to vacate, Democrat, uh, Democrats uh, may help to save the speaker, but that would come at a cost. Uh, Democratic members say they want a bipartisan government funding deal to avoid a shutdown. Is that not inevitable, given the fact that the Senate is controlled by the Democrats? Members are also discussing voting present, which would make it more difficult for conservatives to remove McCarthy or voting to kill the motion to vacate altogether. It's a complicated dance for Democrats who don't want to be seen as saving McCarthy and could open them to backlash on the left. Why? In, in other words, if the Democrats do the right thing and recognize that you, you've got to have a Speaker of the House, it's going to have to be a Republican because they have the majority. Yes, they have the majority by only four votes. But for goodness sake, um, uh, who who would you prefer to work with Democrats? You want to work with Matt Gates as Speaker? Jim Jordan? Marjorie Taylor Greene? Now, she hasn't given up her dreams of the vice presidency yet. No, this is, this is all serious material. The uh, um, House Republican leadership just told members this just happened. They can leave Washington today uh, after the House Republican conference failed to make any progress on funding the government uh, ahead of the September 30th shutdown deadline. But they advised lawmakers to be on call and ready to return to Washington if needed. Is there any surprise that the words that people come up with to describe what is going on in the Congress of the United States are divisive, disgusting, stupid, dysfunctional, chaos, corrupt, joke, self-centered, bad, crazy, messy, dysfunctional? Polarized, broken. I mean, polarized is kind of the least insulting of all of these uh, words that they asked people about. What they asked in, in this open-ended poll by Pew is what one word or phrase would you use to describe politics in the U.S. these days? If uh, you have a... Um, uh, a word that you would like to offer that is different from the ones that were put forward by your fellow citizens. Uh, if you have one word to describe politics these days, 1-800-955-1776. Meanwhile, they are grappling and manfully or womanfully, they're gra uh, grappling very seriously with the serious issues. Uh, Joe Manchin, Democrat West Virginia, circulating a new proposal to reestablish the Senate's dress code, which uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer loosened over the weekend to allow senators to wear whatever they want on the Senate floor, according to senators familiar with the proposal. One person familiar with the resolution said it would essentially return the Senate dress code to what it was last week, which required senators to wear coats and ties or business attire when on the Senate floor. In other words, no uh, gym shorts and hoodies for John Fetterman. This is unreal.
Um, Newsweek is reporting Russia's mobilized soldiers who died in the Ukraine war were killed on average within four and a half months after being enlisted. I mean, that's hardly enough time for training. Maybe that's uh, why they're suffering that, that kind of level of death. The um, report was put together by the independent investigated outlet iStories, or Important Stories, and the War Monitoring Project Conflict Intelligence Team. For its research, the Russian outlets examined publicly released data related to the deaths of draftees from the partial mobilization announced exactly one year ago, Thursday, by Russian President Putin. Around 300,000 military personnel were called up in Putin's mobilization order. And Russia's high casualty rate in the war has led to a call for another wave of mobilization from some Moscow officials. The Kremlin does not frequently comment on its estimates of troop casualties, but Ukraine's military on Thursday put the tally of Russian troop losses at 274,470. Uh, Newsweek says it has not been able to independently uh, verify Ukraine's figures. Uh, this is all <laughs> remarkable. And uh, there's also a um, brand new CNN University of New Hampshire poll of Granite State Republicans which shows a pattern that Carl Rove writes about today in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the pattern is that uh, Trump is doing much better in national polling than he is in the specific early states that are going to help determine the nomination, particularly Iowa and uh, New Hampshire and South Carolina. The uh, poll in New Hampshire showed Trump leading the primary race, but with 39%. That means, you can do the math yourself, uh, that means that what you have is 61%, uh, close to two-thirds of people in New Hampshire who want to vote for somebody else who isn't Donald J. Trump. In second place is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy with 13%, followed by UN Ambassador Nikki Haley with 12%, and Chris Christie with 11%. A poor Ron DeSantis whose campaign is crashing and burning down to 10%. Meanwhile, what's wrong with America's cities? Why is there a general feeling that big cities everywhere, not just Seattle, are collapsing? We'll talk about that with the author of a new book on the subject coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth.